Thank you, Jim. And like Jim Price said, <laughs> if you say Jim in this church, it's a challenge because <laughs> how many Jims do we have in this church? By the way, you know, Jim, of course, is a nickname for James. And James is the English version of Jacob, <clears throat> which initially meant healer. But later on in the Old Testament, it came to be deceiver. <laughs> and I've commented before, you know, my wife was named Barbara, and Barbara is the Greek word for barbarian. <laughs> and so when we got married, a deceiver married a barbarian. <laughs> Still turned out pretty well, though, didn't it? <laughs> I was just commenting to, uh, I think it was Steve, I believe, that this Wednesday is the 7th, 70th anniversary of Barbara's and my first date. <laughs> Quite a time. We have a lot of folks gone today. We know where they are, don't we? Many of them are off on the ski slopes with the basic group and the adults that are with them. But Joel Vazanan and four ladies that traveled with him are in Iraq and some of you know that Ray and Denise Thorne visited the Zidi people last year, and that's where Joel is today. And when the Islamists went into various towns where Christians prevailed, they went door to door and killed the children. The women were raped, and many of them headed to the hills. And these women that were raped by the Zidi Islamists Many of them are not welcome back in their families because they've been defiled. And so Joel and um, the Terry Law Ministries and the women traveling with Joel have created a safe house for these women where they can come and live and be ministered to do. So I ask you this week in a special way to be in prayer for Joel and for those that are with him. And for these Christian women who have been so severely wounded in their souls as well as had their bodies abused by the enemies of the cross of Jesus. Well, Joel led our prayer meeting Wednesday night. And you who were there remember that he reminded us that last Wednesday was the first day of Lent. For those churches, those liturgical churches that celebrate Lent. And so for those churches, last Wednesday night was, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, in which you went to the church and had with ashes a cross put on your forehead. And Joel said, you know, even though we don't formally observe Lent as those churches do, it would be a good time to prepare our hearts for Easter, which is 40 days away. And his suggestion was interesting. Rather than giving up meat or some luxury, as other churches who celebrate Lent do, why not dedicate ourselves to reading the Gospels and learning in our hearts and absorbing in our hearts in a deeper way the Lord Jesus Christ? As we start reading the Gospels, of course, we begin with Matthew. And before we get very far in Matthew, we find ourselves in the midst of the longest sermon recorded in the Bible, the sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And we don't get very far into that sermon 
until we get to the center of it. And in the heart of that sermon, our Lord Jesus says so many things about prayer. And one thing he did was give us the model prayer. Now, normally in Protestant churches, that's called the Lord's Prayer. Roman Catholics call it the Our Father. In my opinion, it really isn't the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer for me is John 17, where on the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, in that upper room with his disciples, after Judas the betrayer had left, he established the Lord's Supper, and then he prayed a very passionate prayer for himself. And then he prayed a very passionate prayer for the apostles, those whom you have given me. And then he prayed a very passionate prayer for every one of us. He prayed for those who would come to believe through the testimony of the apostles. And that testimony today is in God's holy word, the Bible. We are today believers because of the testimony of the apostles. And as Heather said, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Paul, when he went to Corinth and they had a tremendous number of conversions, he said it was not through persuasive speech, but the power of the Holy Spirit anointing the word that opened hearts. And so we come to this prayer, however, that many call the Lord's Prayer. To me, it's better called the model prayer, but who cares what you label it? (laughs) We all know what it is. By the way, if you look at the NIV and I believe the NLT, you will notice that this prayer does not contain the trilogy at the end, thy kingdom come, so on and so, those three phrases at the end. That's because really Jesus never said that. The first time we find that addition is in a 5th century uncial. Again, we don't find it until an 8th century uncial, and then from the ninth century on it was included. So evidently, since that prayer was used in a liturgical service, someplace, somebody, someplace along the line added that as a rather beautiful way to close the prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that, but we need to recognize really that was a human addition and not the words of our Lord. The prayer really ended, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And of course, in the Roman Catholic churches, that's where it ends. If you look at the Roman Catholic Bible, that's where it ends. And as I say, in some more recent uh, renditions of Scripture, it ends that way, recognizing the words of our Lord ended at that point. But you know, as you think about that prayer... And you read the verses that preceded it. The truths in those verses that preceded it are so important to us. Jesus Christ said, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand in the synagogue and pray and on street corners in order to be seen of men. And he said, they have their reward in full. That's all they get. But when you pray, Go into your inner room, shut the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And the Father who hears in secret will reward you. And don't be like the Gentiles who think because they pray a whole lot of words, 
they will be heard. And then he says, therefore, pray in this manner. And he gave the model prayer. This morning, let's start by thinking about those verses that precede the model prayer. Do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand in the synagogues and pray in street corners that they may be seen of men. And then he said, they're going to get a reward. The only one they get is a praise of men. That's full. That's it. They'll get nothing from me. Now, we might look at that and say that means, therefore, we should be very humble. We should be very quiet. Our our, our allegiance to Jesus Christ should be somewhat secret, and that, of course, is wrong. That is wrong. Time and time in God's Word, you find the exhortation to be bold. Paul asked the Ephesians, you know, I'm going off now. You pray for me that I will be bold. The disciples, or rather the, the followers of Jesus in that upper room in, in Acts 4, after the persecution came and Peter and John were freed and the, the, the room shook, but they still prayed, God, give us boldness. We must be bold and let the world know that Jesus Christ died to save sinners. And I think of all of us, like Paul could say, we feel like I'm chief of all. We must be bold. When I was a boy, I heard the story of a teenager somewhat older than I who in the summertime had gone to work in a lumber camp. I think it may have been Longview, Washington, because in the Depression, many Okies went to Longview to work uh, in the lumber. Three of my uncles became uh, lumberjacks there to survive in that time. And when he came back to church, one of the older men said, Well, boy, how was it? You know, you're such a devoted Christian. You walk with Jesus. You read your Bible. You pray. And he said, Listen, I've worked in those lumber camps. Those guys cuss like everything. They tell body stories. It's a rough country. How did you as a Christian survive in that setting? He said, I had no problem. They never found out I was a Christian. Oh, my goodness. The Lord Jesus said... You're the light of the world. No man lights a candle and puts it under a basket. Take the basket off. Let your light shine. He said, if salt loses its flavor, where's it going to find it again? You're the salt of the earth. And so the warning about not doing religious things just to be seen in no way means we should restrain ourselves in proclaiming to the world, I am a follower of Jesus and telling them the good news about Jesus Christ. But why do we do it? <laughs> you know, one of the challenges of public ministry is you can't hide. And the reason you can't hide, folks tend to tell you you do a good job or a bad job. <laughs> when in your heart, the only words you want to hear are from Jesus well done, good and faithful servant. There's something about the flesh that wants to hear the other. Remember when Owen Carey spoke here some years ago, he talked about that problem. He says, whenever you teach and you're preaching, and when it's over, you're wanting this. Hear good things of people. On the other hand, you're saying, get away. <laughs> don't, don't tell me. But what's our motivation? To be praised of men? Are to hear the Lord say, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
Notice when he said, when you go in the inner room and you close the door and you pray in secret, it says, and your father who seeth in secret will reward you. Let's think about that word, seeth in secret. Last week, teaching the Genesis class, I mentioned that Yahweh or some of you would say Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> is usually understood to mean Jehovah or Yahweh supplies. But there's some who disagree with that. And Chuck Shepard asked, what do those who disagree say? <laughs> and I had to admit, well, I'd never really looked into it. But because he asked that question this week, I did. Having done so, I now agree with the dissenters, not those who say God provides. Yahweh means Yahweh or Jehovah sees. When Abraham and Isaac were ascending the mountain, where in obedience to God, Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, and Isaac was carrying the wood on his back, and Abraham had the fire and the knife. And Isaac said, Father? Abraham said, Here I am. Uh, I, I see the wood, I see the fire, the knife, but where's the lamb? And literally, here's what the Hebrew says. Abraham answered, God himself will see the lamb for himself. He doesn't say God will provide the lamb, but he will see the lamb for himself. Of course, we know he did provide, didn't he? And later afterwards, Abraham named that place God sees, not God will provide, if we take the Hebrew literally. Now, with dynamic equivalency, we can say God provides because that was the outcome of God seeing. But think about this. God sees. God sees. Yesterday, I was in somewhat of a melancholy mood. I don't know why. Prayed. It wouldn't go away. Yesterday afternoon, after I was here for a while producing the lesson, sheets for tonight's class and I took out my clarinet and played a while but the melancholy mood would not go away finally I got in the car and drove south and of all things went to the parking lot of Bel Air Christian Church where you know I was minister for 22 years I sat in that parking lot and looked at those buildings and thought about when my children were small began to think of various ones who came to Christ and were immersed into Christ in the baptistry there. And then I looked out the window and I saw a mockingbird fly and land on a branch. I don't know why. But I just began to look at that mockingbird and think about him. And this thought hit me, Jim, you're seeing that mockingbird. And so is God. Jesus said, not a sparrow falls to the ground without your heavenly father. You're of more value than any sparrows. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, I want you to think about that. I don't know how many folks we have here today, but just think God knows the number of hairs uh, 
some I'll not mention don't have many to count. But think of that. God knows the number of hairs on everybody's head. He sees every bird. He sees me at all times. A father, and notice how beautiful, your father will see in secret. Father, what a word. Picture a father who takes his children to the park. The father sits on a grassy knoll or perhaps on a park bench and watches his children as they frolic about running and screaming and racing and going down slides and on the swings. And his heart delights as he watches his children run about enjoying themselves. Did you know our Heavenly Father rejoices to see us delighting in the blessings and goodness that He gives us? 1 Timothy 4 talks about those who are ascetic and say, you know, we don't want to enjoy sex and marriage. We don't want to enjoy good food, blah, 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 blah. He said, no, listen, God gave us all of these things to receive with thanksgiving. Whoopee. (laughs) And God the Father watches, and his heart is delighted as we experience joy in the blessings and gifts that he gives us. But he's also aware of those things that some of us might do that we would want to hide (laughs) there's an old song we used to sing you cannot hide from God he watches what we do (laughs) he sees you at your every turn he knows your thoughts that blight and burn he knows when his own son you spurn you cannot hide from God I want to tell you you can't (laughs) He sees every sparrow. How is that possible? He sees every mockingbird, I assume. I doubt if Jesus meant just that one species. (laughs) And he knows us so well. He knows how many hairs we have on our head. And as I say, some of us, as we get older, we make his job easier. God knows us. God sees us. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? Father. Now, what's a friend? We sing the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus with his disciples said, You are my friends. Well, of course, they had shared life with him for three and a half years. They had sat around campfires together. They'd really been persecuted together. They'd probably even used a latrine together, but they knew each other. They were friends. We'll never be friends like that. <laughs> But Jesus is our friend because he cares for us and gives us all the blessings. But let me tell you, a true friend does not watch you start to make mistakes and keep his mouth shut. A true friend says, wait a minute, (laughs) if you go down that road, and our Lord Jesus is like that as well. A very important truth is in Hebrews chapter 12. 
in which it talks about looking to Jesus as our example and then goes ahead and talks about the hard times of life that we have and these, he says, are God's discipline upon us. He said, earthly fathers discipline you and no punishment for the present seems pleasant, but in time it yields forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. I thank God that I had a mother who spanked me. I mean it. I tell you, my mother was a disciplinarian in our family. And it was time to get a whipping. She'd say, go out there and cut a switch. And I'd cut a switch. If it wasn't big enough, I had to go back and get another one. <laughs> I remember one time my sister and I had had a fight. My sister, two years younger than me. And like all Garrett women, and they all are very strong, if not ask Jim Downing, but... The, the, the Garrett women are strong. My sister, very rebellious, and mother said, you two go out and cut a switch. My sister refused, so I had to cut two switches. I brought them back in. Neither was big enough. I had to go get two more. It really enhanced my relationship with my sister. But I do thank God that I had a mother that didn't let me get by with anything. <laughs> she switched me. <laughs> you know, the old adage comes from the Proverbs, spare the rod and spoil the child. If you don't get spanked when you're a child, you'll grow up and society will spank you, and the spanking is a lot worse than, than what you would have gotten at home. So Hebrews 12 tells us God spanks us. <laughs> he disciplines us. He, he lets us go through hard times, and it's not fun while we're going through it, but the outcome is a peaceful fruit of righteousness. I don't know how many times I've been aware that my heart and spirit is not right before God. And throughout my life, God has dealt with that <laughs> by some pretty hard times. And my prayer said, please, God, let your Holy Spirit change that in me. Don't make me go through something else. I don't know if he laughs at me or not. But God disciplines us for our own good as a parent disciplines a child for his or her own good. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's an interesting word, the word we say hallowed. The Greek word is hagiostheto. It is an aorist, imperative, passive verb, which in essence is commanding God to allow himself to be reverenced or feared. Isn't that something? It's like, oh, name of God, please be reverenced. <laughs> reverenced or feared. One thing that seems to be so absent, in my opinion, in much of the church world today, no reverence. Sunday morning services are kind of like a football game or a ball game no reverence no fear of God you remember that after Abraham went on the mountain to sacrifice Isaac he had the knife ready and the angel said stop do the man no harm a ram was seen caught in the bushes and that was sacrificed and then the angel said because you have shown that you fear God. You see, reverence 
recognizes that we are dealing with a being whose power is beyond comprehension. And yet he's our father. Think of that. When I was about two years old, less than two actually, my mother was giving me a bath. As I was sitting in the bathtub, my father came in the house carrying a bear cub. And the bear cub tried to get in the bathtub with me. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Now, east of Muskogee, where we lived in the mountains over around Braggs, there used to be black bears. And a man had killed the mother and kept the cub and brought it to where my dad was. My dad wanted me to see it. <laughs> well, the guy that had this bear cub kept it, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. One time, you know, we used to, cars had flat tops. He put a chair on top, and he'd drive around town with this bear sitting in this chair with a chain around its neck. One time, the bear fell off and broke its neck, and that was it. But, but I've always thought about that man. You know, that bear at any time could have killed him. But they became friends. <laughs> he did not live in fear of that bear. That's, to me, a bit of an illustration of this powerful God who is our Father, who loves us, who cares for us. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth those who love him, Scripture said. Isn't that something to think about? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am so thankful that God has given this church the blood, spiritual blood that throws through, flows through our veins are the distant fields of harvest. God has called us to be a small body of people, to be used of him to enlarge the kingdom of God all over the world. Jokingly, years ago, I could say to a, an, a couple, if you don't want your child to be a missionary, you better not come to TCF <laughs> because that's exactly what they might be. Isn't it something that we have these people, other parts of the world, fighting back, turning back the carpet of darkness who years ago sat in these chairs and some of them grew up in our cradle row. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Really what it says is give us today's bread today. Isn't that something to think about? Jesus said, take no thought to the morrow. You know, learn to live day by day. Many years ago, 1952 or three. uh, I was going through a very hard time in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, And there was a secular radio station I was listening to. And for some reason, this radio station every hour played a hymn, of all things. And I was listening. I began to hear a hymn that I sort of knew but had never paid any attention to. The hymn was Lead Kindly Light. It was exactly what I needed to hear that afternoon. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark. 
and I am far from home. Guide thou my feet, the distant scene I do not ask to see. One step, enough for me. From that day on, that song has been my theme song. And I would lie if I would say that I faithfully live that way, but it is my heart to do so. God, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know what the path is. I don't know what the end is. Just show me the next step. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll take it. Like I say, I lie if I would say I've lived that way perfectly. But my brother and my sister, it's my heart to live that way. Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. Give us, this, give us today's bread today. Heather spoke about miracles. It's amazing to me how the hand of God is so beautifully present. Another story about those days in the 50s. As most of you know, I went to Sensata Bible Seminary, attended 16 hours a week. I supported my wife and family by working for a chemical company at that time. I was lab tech for Rusco Chemical Company. Third or fourth month in school, I became the minister of a country church. So I had really three full-time things going. Same time, I slept four hours a night. Uh, we had very little food. There are times we'd buy Campbell's soup, and my wife and I'd have the broth, and we'd give Jimmy, who was only the child we had just at that time, the solids. That was our food for the day. One time, we were out of everything to clean with. No toothpaste, no shampoo, no bath soap, no laundry detergent. I mean, it was all gone. <clears throat> and I... At 6.30 in the morning before I went to class, I had to be there at 7. Barb and I prayed, God, we don't know what to do, but we look to you. Now, we lived in the third floor in a flat. And one time that morning, no one was in the house but Barbara up on the third floor, and the doorbell rang. And she went downstairs and opened the door, and there was a man in a suit. <laughs> he said, I'm from Procter & Gamble. We're getting ready to put some new products on the market. If you'll be willing to do it as a test family, we'll give you six-month supply of toothpaste, bath soap, shampoo, dish soap, and laundry detergent. <laughs> God supplied we were the test family for Gleam toothpaste, Dove soap. I don't remember what else. Time and time and time in my life, as Heather was saying, I've seen God do things that just defy human reason. Hallelujah. Pray, by the way, hallelujah doesn't mean praise God. Hallelujah is meaning you praise God. If I say hallelujah, Lord, I'm telling God to praise himself. Leave the H off. Hallelujah is praise God. Hallelujah is y'all praise God. So, but I'm sure God knows our heart. He doesn't care how we say it. <laughs> my, my, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What a sobering thought that is, isn't it? 
Romans 12 says that if we are to pray for those that persecute us, you know, bless those that abuse us, and vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> and then later, after the prayer is over, Jesus said, if you do not forgive, God won't forgive you. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? But you know, there are times you can only forgive if the Holy Spirit gives you the power to. You want to. You want to. Oh, God, please do something. Take this thorn out of my heart. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, it can happen. Forgive. Forgive and lead us not into temptation or testing, but deliver us from evil. The spiritual battle that we face is relentless. When Ray and Denise, when Joel, when any of our missionaries are really accomplishing things for God, count on it the battle will get intense. And when Satan tries to hit you in the face and you stand because you have the victory that Jesus has given, he then results to guerrilla warfare. <laughs> we might think in terms of an army, he lets the air out of the tires, <laughs> puts mud on the windshield, makes the weapons misfire. Sometimes he attacks our family, anything he can to deter us from being effective warriors in the battle. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, in spite of it all, we press on. We press on. Now, there's a difference between saying a prayer and praying a prayer. <laughs> And that's what Jesus was warning. He said, don't be like the Gentiles who think they're going to be heard because they say a whole bunch of words. Words mean nothing unless they come from the heart. It is possible to pray the model prayer and it'd be a powerful prayer before God. It's also possible for it to be no more than just a bunch of noise, <laughs> just a bunch of empty words. Let's stand and pray that prayer from the heart and let's not hesitate to close <laughs> with the human addition our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and lead us into passes as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.